Welcome to the PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller, David Wynn, and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller and David Wynn have joined me today, and we are going to discuss e-mobility, opportunity, not existential crisis. Welcome, Carly. Welcome, David. Thanks, Miles. Thank you, Miles. So when you're saying e-mobility, you mean like electronic, electric. I mean like electric cars, but it's, in today's world, there's electric planes. <laughs> there's drones that are doing delivery for Amazon and Uber Eats and who knows what. So e-mobility is more than just electric cars, but the primary, the primary interest, of course, is electric cars. And give them the full disclosure there, Miles. Well, the full disclosure is uh, I'm counting on Dave and Carly to keep me kind of grounded and tethered because I'm a proponent of e-mobility and also an early adopter. Uh, my first white paper for PMPA in 2003 was on 42-volt uh, hybrid technology. Everybody thought I was, well, they suggested to my boss I have a, a blood test. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's 2023 and I'm driving, uh, happily driving my Tesla Model Y. So uh, I've kind of got a dog in this fight. Yeah. So, uh, but we're talking about this because you had a special trip over to Germany. I, I did. I was blessed to be able to, to attend Horn Technology Days in Tübingen. And, uh, you know, if anybody's committed to internal combustion engines, it's probably the company who's made over a million miles worth of piston grooves with Ooh. just one of their tool lines, the 312 insert line, has made over a million, 165,000 miles a piston grooves for internal combustion engines. Okay. So wait, you know, wait, 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 Mil it's not the, a million part. It's a million miles, miles of, of grooves. Yeah. Basi grooves. Basically it's, um, 147 times around the earth or I don't know, maybe five, five times to the moon and back. Oh, you had me going around the earth. That's not a small distance. Yeah. yeah that's a lot times. of pistons. You know, that's a lot of frequent flyer miles. So it, it is. It is. So obviously, if your company's that committed, you know, to that technology, I, you'd expect, wouldn't you expect there to be some, some trepidation, some concern about losing this major market? You would think so. Yeah, I think it'd be top of mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, I was I was pleased to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with uh, Marcus Horn, CEO, and he he. I, I'm just going to quote Marcus here. While some perceive this transition as an existential crisis for traditional automotive manufacturers, we firmly believe that e-mobility presents a significant opportunity for innovation and growth. That has to be the best tasting lemonade ever, ever made, right? <laughs> Here, let's take your largest 
most important market. Let's do everything we can to replace it. And you will find opportunity to innovate and lead. That's a That's great right. attitude to have. It's probably why they are who they are. That's what market leaders do. Well, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And at their technology days, they had one of their presentations was on e-mobility. And they also had, you know, on, on other aspects of, of, of machining, machining materials, tooling. Uh, but the interesting thing that, that I thought out of this was they understood that the change to e-mobility meant that parts would need to be made differently for these, these e-vehicles, whether they're cars or planes. We need more precise rotating surfaces and sealing surfaces to cool, you know, for battery cooling and, and cabin cooling and all this, because the noise is no longer being covered up by the roar of the engine and the mufflers and the exhaust. So it's not that the part, it's that maybe some of the parts we're making right now are going away. However, different parts are going to be needed different parts with higher precision requirements which is right in our wheelhouse which uh, absolutely in in the wheelhouse of tooling and innovation and and non non machining non machining friendly materials right right when you start thinking about putting four electric motors on a car and um, you've got lots of other tight tolerance things like the shafts and the motors and all this new technology. So that there's a lot of precision parts to be made on an electric vehicle. They have less moving parts, but there's still a lot of precision machine parts. And like Miles is saying, those are a more premium part because there's so much tighter tolerance. In. Uh, that's exactly right. And, and so uh, Mr. Horn brought up, uh, you know, the concern about, raw materials. So copper's <laughs> relatively important in the electrical world, right? And uh, in 2022, the world, the entire world consumed 25.1 million metric tons of copper. And the U.S. was just, just under 2 million tons, 1.9 million metric tons of copper. The forecast because of this move to electrification is to get to 29 million tons in 2027. That's like a 17% rise. Where's Whoa. that going to come from? That's in what, five years? Yeah. That's a lot of stolen air conditioners. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give people ideas. <laughs> just, just saying. I'm from this... Youngstown. This is, it's a thing. <laughs> This sounds like a conversation we had with Velan Chase, where, you know, we have this huge increased demand for copper and we're trying to figure out new ways to recycle it and new ways to come up with it because it's going to be an intense demand with electrification of everything. Well, necessity is the mother of invention. This is true. It is. But but I think what Mr. Horn was, was getting to was our supply chain has to become more flexible, more sustainable, more efficient, and perhaps it's not going to be up to that challenge in five years. So that could be a constraint if we can't get this additional copper. I mean, how many new cat bulldozers and how many new mines do we have to open if we 
already recycled everything that's recyclable without law enforcement. I see what you're saying. So you're saying that, well, you're saying that he said that electric vehicles, they're here and they're popular, but there may be a demand for them that cannot be met. So the internal combustion engine's still going to be around. There's there's a place and, and there's or a even place the demand it. to meet that electrical electrification is going to cause more internal combustion engines because you need more mining equipment, more heavy trucks, and all this equipment along the way. I, I mean, it's it's a rich problem to try to solve. So, so of course, I come at this. It's a done deal. I've got the wall charger at the house. I've driven long distances and used the Tesla supercharger network. This is, you know, this is problem solved. But when he describes the situation in Germany, if you live in a multi, I, I'm, I'm, you know, typical American. I get to live in a separate house. I have a garage. I have, you know, my own meter. What if you're living in a, a building with flats or apartments and out of the 20 units, only 11 or 10 can actually get the power they need because they just don't have the wiring in that building, build up building. Oh, the infrastructure. Right. The infrastructure and that's sure can't take it. And that's not counting the grid and the German grid. The German grid is it's just puzzling to say this. So they shut down their nuclear plants which were baseline to cover for when the sun wasn't out and given photovoltaic. And when the wind wasn't there, they had nuclear. Well, they shut the nuclear down. Carly, what do you think they replaced the nuclear with? Please don't say coal. 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 Oh. Because why, why, why not use carbon emitting coal to replace nuclear if we seriously believe in a climate crisis based on CO2, right? I mean, you couldn't ask for a more classic case of they did what? <laughs> <laughs> so that was really, you know, the interesting thing to me is, to me, it's a solved problem. It's not a problem. It's just, it's here. But I'm looking at it from my position and my reality. The reality in Europe is not my reality. Well, and I don't even know if the reality in America is... You know, it's, either. it's an interesting thing because the EPA calculation says there's 33.7 kilowatt hours in a gallon of gasoline. And then you start trying to replace all those gallons of gasoline on the road. That's starting to become a problem. Do we have enough capacity to generate that kind of electricity? Well, I, I mean, it, it, it is a problem. And uh, like I said, uh, Mr. Horn did a great job of doing the math. Even if you tried to employ battery storage, made these monster batteries, right? You'd need Elon Musk's cyber truck just to deliver the damn battery. It's so big. <laughs> Even if you had batteries that big, there would be losses in efficiency and in conversion and in storage. Your return on investment is now changed. And so when you look at all these moving parts to this, um, it's not a done deal that electric vehicles are going to be the solution in Europe in 3035. That's what the EU Parliament thinks it is. But Mr. Horn made made the great case that 
the current EU parliament is trying to solve today's problems with today's facts. And his point was in 3035 or 2035, that parliament's going to have different facts, different logics and different problems to solve. So, um, he made the point that I couldn't refute that uh, internal combustion, uh, uh, hybrid and diesel, um, actually there's there's a cleaner path with, with diesel and hybrid than uh, straight electric. Yeah, I think hybrid engines is an interesting way to go too because you gain so much fuel economy. And I mean, you think that's what trains have been for years. Trains are all hybrid engines. You got a diesel electric motor. It generates electricity and the train's powered by an electric motor. And they're extremely efficient as far as tonnage per gallon of diesel. <laughs> well, tonnage per gallon is probably not how we're going to talk about our Ford Focus. <laughs> <laughs> Or Honda Civic Hybrid, but uh, you make a great point. So maybe uh, Dave is saying it's scalable. I think that that's <laughs> fair. That's fair. That's fair. It's how I'm going to determine my Ford F two fifty. Yeah, well, there's, diesel. there's no doubt. Let's just hope it's tonnage of of something other than pyrotechnic. <laughs> so uh, I thought really that. Mr. Horn's summary was was spot on, and I'm, I'm going to quote it uh, because I, I think it's it's really it's really uh, a great conclusion. Mr. Horn said, "We are at the most technological point that you can reach today." And believe me, I saw it. <laughs> I saw it in their shop. They were no more CVD coatings. They're doing it all with sputtering. I mean, it was there's amazing physics going on. And we are organized to lead the needed developments in all mobility, not just e-mobility. Our tools and processes continue to evolve to serve applications in other areas that are impacted by the waves of demographic change and progress globally. We are optimistic that together we will continue to develop and master the tools needed to embrace the technological advancements and new developments in physics that will shape the future, not just of mobility, but of our world. I mean, his largest market is on the block, and he's optimistic that they can use the science, use the facts to stay ahead and stay at the forefront of that change. I mean, it's... That, that quote alone was worth your trip to Germany. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And you should see the photos I have on my camera. So uh, to Did you get a bunch up, of new photos of uh, graffiti? I, I got nice graffiti pictures. I got chip pictures. I can't wait to talk about what we learned about uh, machining unleaded brass. Uh, they did a study and it validated some of my work. We'll, we'll be writing about that shortly. But really... Uh, you know, the conclusion I came to as wave the flag for e-mobility, boy, is e-mobility is an opportunity, but it's not necessarily an inevitable one for every, every place around the world. And it's certainly not an existential threat to our manufacturing. If we think carefully about the facts, the value that we all add by the value we add during, during our, our work, uh, 
our very best will, as I always told my, my kids, your very best will always be just good enough to please dad. And uh, our very best will be just enough to help us continue to lead to the solutions that will improve our quality of life and sustainability uh, on the planet. So that's, that's my wrap up. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources for precision machining. Yes, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss one. Plus, check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast where we talk to PMPA technical members and learn about how they can help our shops. If you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to learn how we can help you thrive and why is a PMPA membership important. Carly and David, because Because we we are better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision. I got nothing to add to that. You silenced me.